Hey, welcome to another Pastor's Bible Study. Uh, Pastor Jeremy and Mark here with you, ready to get into God's Word. We are in the exciting book of the Gospel of Mark. Mark it is, is exciting. Mark is a cool dude. He is good, I have to admit. Yes. Mark's a good guy, right? <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's great. He's pretty awesome. So Mark uh, tells this fast-paced story full of uh, adventure, for yep. sure, because it's, it's, uh, it's the account of Jesus' ministry, yep. which is pretty phenomenal. So... I understand that uh, you just finished uh, chapter 4 with the uh, calming of the storm. We did, yeah. Now we've seen Jesus calm the storms uh, of the sea. Now let's see, can he calm the storms within our own hearts? Well, let's go on to the other side of the lake and yep. find out. More boats today. All right, chapter 5 of Mark, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gesserines. Where, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself with stones. When Jesus saw, uh, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, "What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me." For Jesus had said to him, "Come out of this man, you evil spirit." Then Jesus asked him. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Well, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the, into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened uh, to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Well, that's quite the, that's quite the encounter with Jesus. It's a super unique story, yeah, that this man that comes out, he seems to have literally this superhuman strength, right, that people, either for his own benefit or for their own safety, 
he'd been trying to bind him, who knows for how long now, uh, but to try to keep him chained up. And even that, they're saying that he's able to break these chains and they're no longer, even groups of people, able to subdue him. And so he's almost this outcast that is put in these tombs uh, or these maybe cave-like areas Mm -hmm. where he is confined. And it seems like even the townspeople, they still can hear him, right? He's out there being tormented. Day and night. Yeah, being cut and just crying out. out. And I mean, think about that poor man, right? This isn't this individual deciding to do that, but he literally is filled with not a demon, Mm -hmm. with demons. I mean, he uses that term legion, right? Which was a military term. Yeah, so a Roman legion had about four to 6,000 soldiers. I mean, think about that. Our name is Legion, for we are many. And there's a and, herd of 2,000 pigs. Right? I think there's a good foreshadowing. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. So you yeah. have these potentially thousands of demons that are inside this one individual that then go into these pigs. But imagine what that must have been like to be able to be up against that war- that warfare in your own body. I mean, wonder why this guy is so physically strong. I mean, he's filled with not just the entity of one, but of literally thousands. Yeah, I think how uh, I think it's interesting how Mark shows the strength of Satan, the strength that yeah. the demons have. Yeah. That he can just snap chains like, you know, uh, a string. Nothing. Yeah. And uh but then Mark also shows the power of Jesus because as soon as they see Jesus, right, they run and fall down, yeah, they're submissive, yeah. on their knees, yeah. call him son of the most high God. Yep. What do you want with us? Again, no human has said that yet in the gospel mm. of Mark. <laughs> mm. Such a good point to keep making. <laughs> right. I, I really do think it is because it's, it's hard to believe that that does not come up until, as you mentioned, with the mm-hmm. centurion later on. Uh, I mean, imagine what this must have been like for all these guys that are tending these pigs, too. Something happens where they're physically able to see this story playing out. It isn't just these pigs that run and dive into this lake. Uh, Maybe they're able to even physically see this encounter that they have with Jesus because they go and they tell all these people in the town what has happened. And in that moment, all the people come out to be able to see. And they see this man and says that he's dressed fine and they can tell he's now in his right mind. I mean, everybody knows yeah. who this one guy is that's yelling out all the time. And all of a sudden, just by looking at him, they can see that he's very different. Yeah. I was looking at this the other day and one of the things that is so interesting to me, uh, well, I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Maybe before that, the fact that... Uh, this man, once he is healed, he asks to be able to, to go with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He actually begs him, let me go with you. Which, you know, we we just have looked at the story of like the, in church not too long ago here, of like the 10 lepers and like, they're all healed, but only one comes back to Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, where are the other nine? Where do they, where do they go? In this instance, there's only one. And this guy is begging to go with Jesus to be able to actually be to decide, but Jesus actually turns him away mm-hmm. and tells him to be able to to go home, but he gives him a purpose, right? To be able to go home and to be able to share with others how much the Lord has done for you. And I love that in Christ's words too. First of all, he gives this individual a purpose, basically be my disciple in this region. 
Number two, he says, he doesn't say go and tell them what I did, but he points even Christ back to God. You know, mm-hmm. go and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has. And imagine this individual story. Again, everybody knows who he is. I mean, he could have been just an amazing mouthpiece and seems like he is for the work of God. Yeah, and this is uh, Gennesaret or uh, the Decapolis. This is the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a mix of Gentiles and Jews. And uh, if there were any Jews that were pig herders in this group, they were apostate Jews because pigs were unclean. Jews weren't allowed to eat or own uh, pigs. But Mm -hmm. at any rate, uh, Jesus now, even early in his ministry, has got this... uh, evangelist over among the Gentiles already yep. sharing what good things the Lord has done. My mind almost loses the, the, the time that is happening here. I'm so focused on the healing that is done in this crazy situation with this guy in this tomb. He's cutting himself. He's filled with these demons. Uh, my mind forgets about the time that, so Jesus spends all this time in this boat going to this area when he arrives, this man comes out, uh, he heals him, and the people are so worried that they actually want Jesus to, to leave. They're, they're, they're too taken back mm-hmm. by him. And then he gets in this boat, and he leaves. You know, he's been gone all night. This isn't just this quick little short gander. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, there probably is, he probably is weary. He's probably is tired. He's been traveling. And it almost seems like... You know, Jesus makes this long trip, and it's just this—it's just this random wasted trip. He travels all night long. He gets there, the villages are upset. They don't even—they don't even want him around. He comes to heal. They don't want him around, and so then he has to leave, and he leaves behind this slew of, of death that happens. Maybe not to this individual, but to all these pigs. And I think there's an interesting correlation with this, and uh, with Christ just coming to Earth in general. That he makes this long trip, you know, from heaven to earth for us. We always just see it like, oh, the Christmas story, God's here. But God becomes man, makes this huge trip. He shows up and nobody wants 30, him. 30 plus years he spends. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't want him. They don't want him when he's born. Uh, people go after him and try to kill him. They don't want him during his ministry. People are constantly trying to kill him. And same thing. He finally does leave this earth, and it, it is surrounded by a time of death. He leaves this earth because he is put to death on a cross. But he does all of this in this original story for just this one man, right. you know, to be able to make this happen. He makes this huge difference in his life, and then he says, go and tell about the Lord's mercy. And I really think it's an interesting parallel to Christ coming to this earth for us and to be able to give us that healing and do the exact same thing. You know, I do this just for you. Go and tell people right. about my about my mercy. I, I love the uh, comparison there. I think it's right on. Let me just tie a bow on it and just say... Do it. When uh, Jesus said, okay, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm ascending, his disciples stand out there kind of like, hey, take me with you. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus was like, nope, you got to go and tell people what the Lord has done for you. Um. And Man, that's, that's kind of the story. That's of, a good one. No, that was yours. No, no, no. You really did put a <laughs> put a bow on that. You make me so that one makes me excited. Maybe you don't always see it. Pastor Mark and I always look at this on our own, and then we get together and we talk about it and kind of do the study. But this is one we could uh, put pen to paper and probably make a pretty good one here. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, no, that's a great great comparison. And then uh, uh-huh. also kind of 
we're talking about this. Um, some some people speculate uh, because the people were uh, angry at Jesus for killing their business. I guess all their pigs mm. had died. They were mad. That's why they told him to go away. Uh, others say, well, maybe if they were afraid, they were afraid of Jesus. This is, I mean, oh, it's incredible, right? Yeah. See, to see this uh, man cast out demons, whatever it was, or a mix, probably fear and, and anger. But the point is, they said, go away, and Jesus left. He didn't force himself on anybody. Mm. And it's the same It's the same today. And I think a lot of people would say, you know, I don't want Jesus in my life because he's going to kind of cramp my style. Mm. Right? I want to have yeah. fun or I want to This guy's going to cause problems. Something's going to happen here. Yeah. And Jesus says, okay. You're you're on your own if that's what you want, hmm. uh, but all the more important for us to tell how much good the Lord does for yep. us. Yep, all good stuff. I mean, little tiny footnotes. I mean, archaeologists have found these these caves, these tombs that were hewn out of uh, kind of rock outcroppings, mm-hmm. certainly large enough to to live in. Um, we talked about the Gentiles and Jews, kind of mixture of the the population there. Um. Oh, uh, verse 15, the man is uh, just sitting there in his right mind. So it's, the man doesn't tell the story to the to the townspeople that come out. Yeah. He's just kind of sitting there, yeah. you know, hanging out, acting normal. <laughs> Maybe he's finally taking a breath after all this time of right. being tormented, right? Right. I mean, his body must be, beside feeling that moment of relief, you got to be in anguish, I think, in some ways, probably too. I don't know exactly, it didn't, doesn't describe what this ultimate healing looks like but I mean if he had been cutting himself or had been torturing himself I should say these demons have been doing that Mm -hmm. you know his body might just be physically spent maybe he just needs time to be able to sit and just take it in for a a moment too yeah and just like Jesus healed the I mean calmed the storm instantly I mean this man was just raging with demons and then instantly Mm -hmm. in his right mind just sitting down (laughs) thought no I'm gonna put some clothes on some people are coming (laughs) yeah (laughs) Kind <clears throat> of be quiet and be still, yeah. But uh, good, yeah. All right, let's jump to the next section there. Here we have today uh, another one of our Markian or Marconian sandwiches, which yeah. Mark starts telling a story about a sick or dead girl, and then all of a sudden we have this sick woman who is introduced, yep. and then we come back around to the story of the sick girl again, yeah. the dead girl, and it's compact. So. Uh, the first few verses there, 21 through 24, are that first piece of bread that we talked about for our sandwich. Mm-hmm. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, uh, seeing Jesus. He fell at his feet and pleaded uh, earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So there's the first section. Right. But then we receive this interruption here. Well, interruption. Let me give a footnote on Mark again. Yes. Just as a reminder that uh, Mark, well, we get this actually from a man named uh, Papias, P-A-P-I-A-S, who was a disciple of John, the Apostle John. And he says that John told him that Mark wrote everything accurately, just as Peter preached or told stories, just accurate, but not chronologically. Yes. I'll mention this a few times. <clears throat> but it's important because in this series of stories here, like if you read through this 
time when Jesus is over on the east side of Galilee and these things are happening. Matthew has kind of a different timeline. So it's, uh, he heals the, uh, the demon-possessed man. They tell him to leave, so he leaves. Then there's Jairus' daughter, and then he goes and uh, has dinner, and then he has a discussion with John's, the Baptist disciples, about fasting. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back across the lake, and you get the woman with the, the unclean. But whatever, Mark's got a different purpose, right? He's tying these things Correct. together. So at any rate, we don't need to look for contradictions in, where there are none in, in Scripture. But just a footnote if anybody is reading. That's smart. Uh, so just again, then under that piece of bread comes kind of the interior of the sandwich. It says, uh, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So all of a sudden we had this situation with this individual's daughter. Now we're jumping to somebody else who has a problem. Well, two things common in the sandwich. Yes. They both center around a female. Yes. And they both mention 12 years. Oh, I didn't realize that. The girl's 12 years old. The woman has had a bleeding problem for 12 years. Good catch. So I didn't see, see that how, one. why Mark put this sandwich together. This is why. <laughs> or how it fits. Another reason it fits together. She had suffered a great <clears throat> deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt uh, in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So that's the internal piece of our sandwich there. Right, uh, and in, an interesting look at this one. We, I think almost every Christian has probably heard this story uh, before. Yep. Uh, I mean, first of all, just the the faith of the woman is always so impressive, right? If I can just reach out and just touch his clothes, that's That'd all I got. That's all I got to do. I know that that Jesus is so powerful, and uh, man, it's so easy to think about the times that we doubt God on just like small stuff or, hey, God, I'm going to throw this prayer up today. You want to answer it? You know, go for it. If not, right. but this lady, she just knows. Right. I just, all I got to do is touch this guy and I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And, and think about it. We've talked, this is a, another reoccurring theme in Mark is that um, everybody believes yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders that hate, they just hate him because they're jealous and, you know, whatever. The, uh, uh, obviously, his, his family believed that he was powerful. They just thought he was crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's never any doubt yeah. in anybody's mind that Jesus is God-like, if nothing else. Yeah, that he can that do these power. So you know, just, it's kind of like today we kind of struggle with these supernatural things, casting mm-hmm. out a demon or even healing. We kind of like hedge our bets, like oh, God heal him if it's your will. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I see that prayer a lot yeah. in church uh, liturgy, even. And uh, 
Lord, we ask you to heal all these people on our sick list. If it's your will, and just kind of... Almost like it gives us an out or something. Right. Yeah. Right. And obviously it is at God's will. Correct. Uh, it's up to God's will. That's good to clarify, yes. Um, but these people were just running up to Jesus. Yeah. Because they knew he had the power to heal. Period. It, and I mean, Maybe he wouldn't, but they knew he could and acted on it. And this woman is super trusting, right? Because uh, in the scenario that she's in... She shouldn't be around anybody else. She would have been ceremonially unclean at best. Yeah. She shouldn't have been around any crowds, been around any people. But she decides she's going to go for it anyway and try to have this moment of just capturing this healing from Christ. And, you know, Jesus uses this again as another teaching moment. Yeah. He knew what had happened. He probably knew the individual of who it was. He could have just kept going. He could have just winked at her, you yeah. know, one of these. Yeah. Like, you and I know what just happened. Yeah. But instead, he uses this is this moment. He stops, uh, asks who did it. Every, the disciples, you know, are like, come on. Do, do you see, <laughs> how, do you see how close? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants a piece of Jesus, you know. So that, let's just keep going here. But he stops. And this woman, she could have remained silent, uh, doesn't. Right, people probably know her scenario. She's been to many doctors. There's got to be somebody around, but yeah. she comes out of the crowd and does stand at the foot of Jesus and tells the truth. And she says, "It was it was me. You know, mm -hmm. I'm the one who did it." But in that moment, Christ actually uses this, and I think that this is the reason that he calls her out. He could have just let her go and be physically healed, but instead, amongst this crowd, this group of people, he says. Uh, he claims her, he says, daughter, you know, uses this very personal word, tells everybody who is there, not just her, everybody gets to heal. Here, she is healed. She is clean. Yeah. You know, she's clean now, not just physically, but uh, in the community, right? The people who knew this lady that is constantly having this problem, now they see her is okay because this great rabbi said this uh, emotionally that had to lift this huge burden from her and maybe even just spiritually too of this connection that she has with the lord and so again i think this is a special one for for us like uh, there's a, a lot of people in our congregation and throughout the the world that are probably thinking about something uh they or at least somebody else that they know needs healing from mm -hmm. right now and it could be any of those problems it could be something physical emotional a relationship problem you know it and and you may be in need of this piece of healing, but I think it's cool that God actually wants to give you so much more. God isn't just this one we're just stealing yeah. healing power from or just constantly going after him, but he actually wants to provide more for us in our life. He does want you to be healed, but he wants you to have it across the board, not just in this one area, maybe physically in our life, but as I mentioned, emotionally, spiritually, uh, you name it, to be able to have this this whole part. And so he does that for this woman. And I hope that we can see that in this story too, that you know that's what the Lord really wants for us. Yes, good. Yeah, so she was afraid to admit mm -hmm. who it was. But I think this point you made about being ceremonially unclean is really important to understand why she was afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She could have been accused of defiling Jesus, making him this rabbi. Uh, unclean, ceremonially unclean, just by touching him. Yeah, but Jesus does not. He does not ask the question, "Who touched me?" in an accusatory way. It's uh, like you were saying. It's, it's, he was giving her an opportunity to confess her faith, 
And it was that faith that, that made her well. The faith that receives the gift and the power of God. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's funny because you mentioned that, that concept of 12 and 12 that I didn't mm -hmm. see before. I'm seeing something different now too. That concept that you just mentioned of uh, fear, of her being afraid, Mark brings that into this next story then. That concept mm -hmm. of fear uh, for this other piece of bread all of a sudden shows up again. And the daughter too, right? Uh, Jesus calls her daughter, and this is where we come back around to this next piece of bread and the other story. Mm -hmm. It is somebody's daughter who is in need of that too. Uh, kind of these interesting, just, I don't know, poetic elements, I guess, that Mark has within his, his writing a lot of times too. Yeah. All right, you want to do the last Finish section? Or you want me to? All right, we're on verse 35. 35. Uh, while Jesus was still speaking... Some men came from the house of Jairus, uh, the synagogue ruler. <laughs> kind of a reminder what story we're in. Um, Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher, the rabbi, anymore? Hmm. Well, ignoring what they said, <clears throat> Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Hmm. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. There are five witnesses that saw this. And went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithi kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, that word again, immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were, very, uh, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Oh, man, so much in this little section then, too. So, first of all, I don't know. It all ties with the sandwich, too, right? So yeah. You've got, you got Jesus really testing Jairus' faith. Because just like the woman who is bleeding, like everyone who's been crowding to Jesus, they believe he's got the power to heal. Yeah. Jairus, comes, Jairus comes to Jesus because his daughter is sick, deathly sick, and he knows Jesus has the power to heal. To heal. To heal. But to raise somebody from the dead. This is a different step. This is completely different. Why, why bother the teacher now? She's yeah. already dead. It's too late. Yeah. It's over. Stop working on that patient. She's done. Yeah. Nobody had, nobody had that kind of understanding of who Jesus was or that kind of faith in what Jesus could do. And so, Yet. yeah, and, and so interesting. <laughs> Jesus shows up again. This connects back to this other piece that we looked at in this moment of crying and wailing. You know, we talk about this man that was in the tomb mm -hmm. that he's yelling out day and, and night, uh, being able just to uh, be able to wail. We hear that exact same thing. And in this moment, Jesus shows up and he heals and even asks that question well, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And uses that interesting term then, right? right that we see um, played out in Scripture oh, in yeah. a couple different areas. A lot, a lot in the New Testament. Yeah. Speaking of death as sleep. Yeah, because, I mean, in, I know I clearly heard you talk about this in a 
sermon before, the concept of why would they mention that? Well, when you go to sleep, the concept is then you're gonna you're gonna wake back up right. again, right? It's it's this temporary yeah. position in which you come back to life, right. if you will. You rise you rise again. I don't know if your daughter, almost a teenager, sleep, yeah. likes to sleep late and oh, yeah. like my teenage oh, yeah. daughter. Um, but if we have to go, whatever, to the store, go on a trip, whatever, you have to wake her up, you know, it's, so it's just as easy for Jesus to wake up a dead person as it is for us to wake up somebody who's asleep. I hope it's That's easier how. for Jesus to wake up dead people than it is for me to get my daughter out of bed sometimes. <laughs> That's fair. That's interesting though, that concept of, yeah, just being able to simply be asleep. And then, you know, sure takes her by a hand just says, yeah. You know, he Wake calls <laughs> this other lady daughter, and he says, you know, little girl, mm-hmm. just, I, I need you to be able to, to get up. And he calls her, and sure enough, he does this. I, I love the conclusion there, too, when it says, and told him to give her something to eat. Because well, it's almost food. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's not why I do love oh. food. Oh. But the fact that uh, it's like Jesus almost, I can, I can only presume that uh, the people are so astonished, they almost don't believe. And in that culture, you know, the concept of, of spirituality, sure. ghosts Isn't even, ghost, right? you know, uh, could this actually be? But there was that concept of like ghosts were not a bodily form, you know? And so by this concept of give her something to eat uh, is actually showing, look, she is flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And you remember that uh, Jesus even does this with his disciples when they think that they see a ghost out on the water and it's actually Christ himself and they go to the shore and he's making them something to eat, you know, to be able to have something, to be able to provide proof. And I do like that. uh, I truly believe God really wants to provide proof for us, that he does want us to have faith, but he likes to be able to give us signs too. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I think we just become so callous or used to the signs that are around us they're no big deal anymore. I mean, the concept of a creator being with, there within our, our creation, the evidence that's there, truly is overwhelming. But we just become so used to it that it's no big mm-hmm. deal. Yep, any, sun's gonna anymore. come up tomorrow. Yep. it's gonna set tonight. <laughs> yeah, all these amazing things that happen. that happen within our world, uh, even discoveries that are still made today. But it's just kind of like, yeah, that's how the universe is. Well, that's how God made it to I like be. Like the weather. The- the wind that blows, where yeah. does it come from? How does anybody know? Exactly. <laughs> Somehow they figure it out, right? They figure it out. So I got a couple of things I take from the just the whole sandwich together. Uh, the two stories uh, combined. One is, um, I think we uh, would be do well to just be open, maybe even be expectant, but be open to interruptions mm. from, from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we wake up in the morning, we've got our to-do list, we've got our agenda, we've got the things that we need to do, we're going to take care of, accomplish today. And then there are so many times in the day where I get interrupted. Yeah. And I always look at it as a real hassle, a real interruption, a a pain, a distraction. Um, But a lot of times God is interrupting our schedule for something maybe more important on his agenda. Mm Mm-hmm. And to just be open and patient uh, in those situations and just look for how does God want me to, well, love my neighbor, essentially, yeah. right? That, how does that's God usually what it comes down to, right? Yeah. It's usually somebody 
else entering into our life or vice versa. And a lot of times in those moments, we need to just be able to pause. Mm -hmm. uh, and look how busy Jesus is with his ministry. And he stops in this crowd, you know, to be able to talk to this woman. He goes to this house to be able to make sure he's there and to be able to show that he's not too late. Uh, but I like that, you know, looking at those interruptions from God. I mean, that's God's whole MO in our yep. world, right? That he, he truly does interrupt when he sends Christ to this world for us uh, in so many different ways. And we need to really be, you know, just open those opportunities. Not constantly thinking we need to get done what we have to get done. And that goes for everybody, for us as individuals or even like as a church body as mm -hmm. a whole, right? Let's just take a moment here. What does this interruption mean for us? Right. Yeah, good. And then the other uh, big take home for me from, from Jarius' perspective here is that uh, um, I think we often worry that that God's delay in answering our prayers is going to lead to a just a catastrophe. Um, that at some point, oh, it's going to be too late. <laughs> but the eternal God never runs out of time. No. And even death isn't even an end for him. No. A, a stopper, uh, something that can prevent him from accomplishing his will. It can really change your outlook just even on your day if you really try to take things in like that. I mean, because there's, I mean, catastrophe is, is horrible in our world, but knowing that there is no catastrophe that God cannot overcome and it has not, even death of our loved ones, all of us. Uh, lose loved ones mm -hmm. that are close to us. Um, some of us even very recently, but even knowing that, it, yeah, we still we still weep. There's that time for mourning, but God tells us there's a moment for joy too, of recognizing that this is why He sends Christ for us. You know that in all these horrible things, God says exactly that to all our loved ones. Hey, you know what, little one, mm -hmm. get up. You know it's time to time to get up, and it really does I think change our outlook. Uh, and put us at peace and take away the fear that we see in these other individuals. There's almost no reason to have fear, uh, unnecessary fear, if we have God truly at our center, if we're mm -hmm. truly focused on on what he has won for us already. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a human, I mean, a common fear or common worldview, I guess. Yeah. We see seeing so linearly. Lineal, linear, literally, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just go back to the storm in chapter four where you finished, right? I mean, the disciples got, was like, "Wake up, Jesus! We're gonna drown!" <laughs> yeah. Like they said, yeah. basically, if you don't get them to do something, yeah, it's gonna be a catastrophe. Well, they even said, "Don't you know what's don't you happen. care?" Yeah, those are yeah. the words. Don't you even care? Right. Yeah, you're not acting, so no, you just not yeah. care. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So God's delay in answering our prayers. It's uh, it's God's will and. We know in the end, all things work together for good. And we know in the end, uh, especially as we see the power of Jesus uh, raising this little girl from the dead, he too one day is going to call our names. Mm -hmm. And just like that, uh, resurrect our bodies uh, to live eternally with him. And this is such a uh, meaningful account that we have recorded for us that, you know, it's one thing Jesus promises that he's going to give us eternal life. Uh, or John 3.16, you know, God promises, you know, we believe in Jesus, won't perish, we'll have eternal life. It's one thing to say it. Uh, but then he proved that he can do it. Yeah. 
and raising other Lazarus. This little, obviously, Jesus' own resurrection is the key, but um, just to see that actual power over death that uh, our our God, our God has, mm-hmm. is, is a that's the comforting word. That's the gospel there for me. All right, well, good study for today. I really like that that sandwich and how it all flows together. <laughs> Why don't we close up in a sandwich after this? Yeah, I mean, close up in prayer before we talk about food any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear Lord, thank you again for this time that we have, uh, being able to look into your word, and most importantly, you just being able to share uh, with us who you are and what you have done. Lord, we give you praise uh, even for these miracles that took place so long ago and do recognize that you continue to perform miracles among your people today, uh, that you are constantly with us, uh, constantly telling us not to be afraid, uh, constantly taking our hand and telling us to be able to rise for you have won all things on our behalf. Let us uh, focus on that and also be able to share that, Lord. Not just to simply uh, spend time just saying, Lord, take me to heaven now, uh, save me now. But you know that uh, you put us here for a reason on this earth. And many times that reason uh, focuses down to being able to share your gospel, to be able to baptize people, to be able to uh, provide that, that great uh, work of your son unto others, to be your hands and your feet within this world. And so, uh, again, Lord, do these things through us according to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. All right, we'll see you later.